Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. I'm Dante. And I'm Herfie Durfee. And this is Go Mode, a link to the past randomizer podcast. So you guys have been thinking about something. Oh yeah? What's that? So um so when you define music, like when you kind of tear it down to its absolute like most basic elements, it's the organization of sound and silence. Like when something is making a sound versus when it's not, at the end of the day, that's all that's all music is. Could, would it be possible to try to incorporate some of that dynamic to this podcast where we have sound, you know, where, where things are happening, blah, 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 and then we have silence? Yeah, we could. We could, like, <laughs> have some dead air. <laughs> you mean someone not talking for a change? That sounds like a new concept. I mean, it, I think it could be worth a try. Uh, it's sort of new ground. Um I don't know any podcasts who have done it, so we could put that in a pro column. Let's talk about negatives, uh, just so, so that they're out there. Um, one of the problems traditionally with dead air is like when it happens, sometimes you can maybe wonder if like the recording is over or if there was maybe like some sort of technical difficulty and then just turn it off. And, you know, I could see how that might be a problem. That's fair. Yeah, I guess. I won't worry too much about it since there's some context around everything, maybe. Sometimes a nice little, hmm, you know, when you make a point uh, and you just kind of let that settle in, you know, that way there's not complete dead air, but it's still almost silence. Uh, it would be video silence for sure in that type of regard. But, you know, since we're audio only, that way there's just a little bit to let you know we're still here. But we're gonna let that point sink in. I don't know. That's that's my take. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. It's very interesting. So almost kind of redefining silence. Like silence doesn't necessarily mean no sound whatsoever. It just means no content for right now. Mm. And there's still maybe some. Oh damn it! You were you were gonna do it, and I totally ruined it because I had to talk. See, but you yeah. were doing it. And yeah. yeah, and that's that would be perfect. That was it. Okay. All right, let's let's see if we can uh, try to incorporate some some moments of silence, <laughs> not necessarily audio silence, but uh, reflection. Some moments of reflection into this episode. Uh, just just try it. We'll just see how it works. Moments of memoriam. <laughs> moms. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready for those moms oh uh, as we start episode 51, which is part three in our series on damage. Of course, part one was taking damage. Part two was dealing damage with the sword. And part three, we're going to be talking about dealing damage with anything other than the sword, the hammer, of course, uh, you know, red cane, blue cane. We'll get it. We'll get into all of them. So very much looking forward to that. Um, but before we do that, of course, we got to do the news. And let's start with the mentor tournament, which is currently wrapping up week five. So we have one more week of Swiss left to go. Um, man, the time really flies, doesn't it? It does. It's it's so, gone by so quickly. Yeah, um, but it's it's been a joy to watch. It's been a joy to be in the Discord and be around people who are. You could see new friendships being forged. You can see new rivalries uh, cropping up. You can see um, people just improving. Just times getting getting lower and lower. And uh, it seems like mostly people are having a lot of fun. And I just want to start by saying like that's definitely the best thing. It's been so much fun to observe that 
Um, but other than that, I mean, things are, are going along pretty smoothly, I would say. Um, there's been some great matches. Uh, I'll pass it over to you guys. Um, what are your thoughts on Mentor Tournament coming into week six? Well, I, I think it's really great to see the Discord so lively and people constantly like talking about random stuff or setting up practice races. It's, uh, it's, it's not been quiet for more than like five minutes. I feel like there's always somebody talking about something. Yeah, all the channels are lighting up constantly. So <clears throat> definitely a good thing, uh, especially, you know, for the community to grow and things like that. But, uh, I mean, yeah. what's really great about this, uh, in my mind, as far as the rando aspect is, we've got a ton of runners just improving across the board. There's been tons of people bragging about how they got their first sub two, which is always a great milestone for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and getting that in a race, no less, uh, is uh, definitely something, you know, to be excited about. Because, you know, races are, you know, pressure situations. Yeah. Absolutely. It, it completely changes things. You get the butterflies in the stomach and the, um, you know, that, that sensation where you're like, Oh, uh, 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 where do I go? Where do we go? Uh, uh, where it's like, you know, come on, the clock's taking pressures on, you know, you don't get to kind of sit back and it definitely does change things. It makes it more, um, athletic. <laughs> I don't know that term doesn't make any sense right here, but like, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a huge difference when it's a, when it's a competition. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. So uh, one question that's been going around a lot is how we're going to format the brackets. Um, We sort of had a rough idea, but um, honestly, we kind of just wanted to see how things were playing out before we finalized anything. And uh, also part of it was we were just like, uh, we'll kind of figure that out as we get a little closer. Um, Well, now we've done that. We we, uh, got together as an admin team and um, we've uh, finalized some details for brackets um Dante, do you want to kind of w- run through and explain how that's going to be set up as we finish out week six sure um the first thing we'll talk about is the bracket names so we kind of threw this together uh there are going to be four brackets uh for all of our players to be paired into and what better way to do that uh than uh, by naming them the four swords so uh you know our lower T- lowest tier, I guess, or lowest seeds, for lack of uh, better phrasing. Um, that's going to be our fighter sword bracket. Um, you know, above that, we'll have the master sword bracket, um, you know, so on and so forth. The tempered sword bracket and the gold sword bracket. It's like butter, baby. Uh, gold sword's going to have like our number one overall seed and, you know, going down from there. Hey, is this on? Is this on? Okay, cool. Uh, hey, it's Tuesday Dante. I'm taking over for Tuesday Temp. Get wrecked, Temp, this week. You know, it's me, not you. Haha, I'm the captain. Anyway, uh, so here's how this is going to go down. Uh, we uh, have to interject because, well, you know, there was a deal where we talked about how brackets were going to go, and then things changed because we had some drops. And we figured since we had some drops, we want to make sure we do things as equal and fair as we possibly can. So here's how it's going to go down. Right now, there are six drops, and that is still subject to change. So if things change, please bear in mind that we are going to have to adjust things slightly to try and keep things fair. Right now, at six, there are going to be two buys per bracket as far as the Tempered Sword, Master Sword, and Fighter Sword brackets go. Uh, That way, the number one and the number two seed in each of those three brackets are going to get a buy into round two. I know that's less time with mentors, 
but just for comparison, if you went 0-2 in 2019's Mentor Tournament, you only got two seeds with a mentor. So we're kind of looking at it in the sense of we've really asked a lot of our mentors. We doubled the size of this tournament uh, as well as um, the amount of time people have played with them. And uh, we do thank them for that, and we thank you guys for participating as players too. So, uh, But we want to be respectful of their time. I understand that you know there are a lot of things that could be better, and we're learning this as we go. We're just trying to build the best tournament environment for you guys. And uh, yeah, so that's how that's going to pan out. The bottom three are going to be uh, two buys a piece. That is, again, subject to change if there are more drops. We'll talk as admins and hosts and try to figure out the best way to do it to provide the most fair, uh, even playing ground uh, we possibly can for you guys. But uh, that's that's how it's going to be for now. Also, in more boring news, you know, Temp was like, hey, you gotta talk about version 31.0.6. That got, like, snuck in, like, last second, like, right under our nose. Um, I totally, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, there's more sprites, six of them, and I'm just like, hey, there's a bunch of entrance stuff here. Um, go read it. It's on the updates website on ALTTPR.com. Uh, it's definitely worth a read if you play Entrance. Uh, they finally fixed that, you know, bow hint from Ganon. So if you're really looking silvers and cross keys, you know, you're going to be real happy now. Um, but yeah, other than that, like I said, six sprites. Uh, there's a ton of bug fixes. There's some customizer bug fixes as well. So, hey, a big shout outs to our devs for giving us uh, even uh, more, more stuff. So more stuff, always better. So I guess I'll leave now and... Um, yeah, back back to you guys in the studio. Sorry, real quick, by comparison, last year's mentor tournament, how many opportunities did people have to, to play in an environment like this? Well, at worst, they came out at two, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so just, I, just to put that into perspective, um, you know, how much we've been able to extend the experience and elevate it just from last year again thanks to you know our, our team of admins and volunteers and things all the crews we've had um it's, it's just incredible how, how far we've come so sorry i just wanted to interject no, there to perfect yeah, yeah um because we don't want to gloss over that at all um so here's how this is going to go down uh so if you're in this this is when you definitely want to listen up round one is going to be open mode um you know that that mode you've been playing the last three weeks or so at this point um it is going to be a best of one so we're doing best of one in round one and two and i kind of want to preface that by saying we're doing this kind of in the spirit of we don't want to burn out our mentors we've already asked them mm -hmm. for four weeks of their time throughout a six-week swiss so um with rounds one and two being mentored that's kind of part of this as well we we want to be respectful of their time uh, they have, you know, races, their life, they have, you know, you notice how the order I put that in, but they, <laughs> they have more, uh, you know, not more important things, but things that are important to them um, that they need to take care of. So round one will be mentored best of one and it will be open mode. Uh, from there, the winner will advance to quarterfinals. Uh, the quarterfinals will be best of one as well. Also will be mentored, but we're adding a very small twist. Um, this is going to be just standard mode, not casual, not ambrosia, standard mode. So this is the time to work on that execution just a little bit. 
Um, we felt like this was a good play because, um, you know, this episode in a way is going to be us talking about, you know, dealing damage without a sword. And sometimes the uncle in standard mode does not give you a sword. So hopefully you get a hammer, but you might get bombs. You might get Kane of Burna. Um, mm-hmm. But it's going to be that randomized weapon. And I encourage you guys, if you have never played it, give a, give a few a go. Um, talk to your mentors. Ask, like, reach out. Uh, ask in Discord. And, um, you know, ask for strats. Bomb Escape is nowhere near as scary as, um, as a lot of people make it out to be. It is tough, but uh, it's not too bad. So from that best of one, that is going to be our final week for the mentors. Uh, and then semifinals directly after that, that is going to be in uh, finals. They're going to both be best of three unmentored. So you will be on your own at that point. Um, and those are going to be a player's choice scenario. So the way that's going to work is the higher seed is going to get to choose game one. Um, and I'll put the modes on hold for just a minute to explain the rest of this. So the loser of game one will get to pick the mode for game two. That means if the higher seed takes a loss, they get to pick the first two games. So, you know, or if, you know, the higher seed wins game one, you know, whoever lost gets game two. Loser of game two will get to pick game three. Uh, and those racer or those race options are all going to be standard which is the randomized item, full-on Ambrosia, which you guys played weeks one, two, and three in Swiss, open mode, which we're currently playing in weeks four, five, and six, and casual. So casual is standard like Ambrosia, but there's no boots hint, there's no guaranteed item on the boss. It's just basically an assured sword. I guess that's probably a better way of describing it, but... Yeah, it's less changes. Yeah. Yeah, so... That is, those are the four options you'll get to choose from. So not a whole lot of variance there, but, you know, a little bit just in case you have a, a preference uh, of how you want to start things up. But yeah, that's that's how we're going to wrap things up with brackets. And I, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah. So a lot of thought went into this, uh, thinking about a lot of things like Dante mentioned, mentioned um, respecting the mentor's time. Again, thinking about last year, that's just another thought that I've had and something I've always sort of advocated for when we have conversations. Um, Because one of the things we talked about doing was like maybe best of three, you know, sooner, maybe best of five even at the end. But, um, you know, trying to avoid burnout was definitely something we wanted to avoid and and, uh, not just for mentors, but also for the racers and and for admins and for us and and for everybody. Um, So while, you know, it's great to have a, a lot of rando, um, there too much of anything can can have the adverse effect. So um, I, I like what we landed on. Another huge shout out to our admin team for uh, you know put, putting all this together. And uh, we'll we'll go ahead and you know obviously we'll have announcements in the Discord to explain all of this. Uh, if you are a racer, you can go to the announcements channel. We'll have some info in there uh, for you. But um, I think that uh, just about does it, Dante. That was a wonderful explanation. Um, anything else that we have to say about the mentor tournament? We're not going to let them play mystery. I mean, I mean, they can on their own time, but we joked about that at one point. Listen, listen, everything was on the table. There was not a mode that we did not take a look at and consider. And I shot down I, cross keys really quick. <laughs> you shot down cross keys. I, I tried to slip casual boots in there and was promptly denied. I uh, realized I was outnumbered and backed off. Um, but I, I like the four that we ended up with. And I also like that we give 
the players an opportunity to pick because that's pretty much how just about every other tournament does it now. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so cool. All right. Well, uh, that's it for mentor tournament. Um, as far as like news goes, the kind of thing that we normally talk about throughout the week, there honestly hasn't been a lot. Obviously we've been wrapped up at the mentor tournament, but even beyond that, um, you know, there was the release of V31.0.5, which I managed to mention Tuesday, Tim, uh, saved us and mentioned it before the episode came out. And, um, yeah, maybe we can just talk a little bit about impressions from that. Uh, people love that the, you know, save and quit delay is gone. Uh, there's a couple new sprites. Oh, you know what? Yeah, actually, real quick. I'm sorry, guys. Let's just open up this uh, sprite list. And I, I want to get Herfie's opinions on some of these new sprites. <laughs> and maybe get your, like, slide whistle ready. <laughs> Requesting the slide whistle again. Yeah, it's, really, it's getting yeah. diluted. <laughs> hey, I'm just trying to give the people what they want because people are going crazy over the slide whistle. I'm a fan as well. What can I say? All right, so uh, so work on getting to the updates page. If you need a link, there it is. But yeah, these new sprites. I'm just going to say, I want to say right now that I've been really into this astronaut sprite that's in the top right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this little guy a lot. Uh, I like to imagine that um, you know, walking around Hyrule, it's like a uh, alien world, um, and you don't know if the atmosphere is breathable or not. So you're like, you know, exploring uh, and, and uncovering the items and trying to escape at the end. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of like sci-fi music while I play, and it's it's a wonderful fit. I've I've really enjoyed the uh, the astronaut sprite, and um, yeah, I just wanted I just wanted to say that. What what about what are your guys like highs and lows on this new sprite list? I mean, I think they're all pretty well done. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Harif, what are your thoughts on two Deadpools? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and we I got mean, another a Link you, one in here, too. You know, the thing is, uh, I say this every time we talk about new sprites, and usually I'm hit with, uh, oh, more choices, never bad kind of argument. <laughs> but I'm like, how many more of these do we really need? I think we're good on sprites. I've said that for the past 400 sprites that they've added, but they're, they're yet to listen to me. I just want to know who Hitsian had to convince to name the One Piece sprite after him. <laughs> like, like, how do I get a Dante sprite? Like, that, that's what I want to know. Like, how do we get a Tuesday Temp sprite? Like, that. if you guys want to get in sprite development and you want to make a Tuesday Temp sprite, that would be something i think tent would like a whole lot <laughs> oh every single time that i hear that there's new sprites i instantly just boot up the list and, and just scroll down it to see if there's an uncle yet or not <laughs> obviously i'm just like waiting for that but um the astronaut's good good for now i guess but yeah that, that's a good question i don't know how there are quite a few sprites that are named after real life people and i assume just like somebody puts in the work to make it and submits it and as long as it meets some sort of standard guideline it, it just makes it in i don't think people like you know i don't think there's yeah. like quality assurance kind of thing you know yeah, I mean, could also be. I think they're yeah. being like tested if all the frames look right and stuff like that. But other than that, uh, I think it's pretty easy to actually get in. And uh, Herf, to be to be very honest, I'm starting to come around to to your your side. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, there needs to maybe be a better way to select the sprites yeah. if there's going to be so many because just this giant drop down and mm-hmm. you know. 
Yeah. I do There's like a lot the Gino of one. I mean, everybody loves that is Gino tight. from Mario RPG, but uh, I still have hope for you, Temp. I mean, if they can shrink Ganon down and get him to link size uh, with kind of a weird-looking large head, I think we could get Uncle with the weird-looking large head. I mean, so, they shrunk down Ridley for Super Smash Brothers, oh so my. I don't see why they couldn't. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, moving on. So, as I was saying uh, before I was sidetracked by by a little bit of news there, um, there hasn't been a whole lot that's been going on. And that's okay. And it actually uh, led me to think this could be a good opportunity for us to have just another sort of general conversation like we have in the past around certain topics in the community. And uh, something came up earlier this week that made me think that maybe we could all have a conversation about the concept of gatekeeping in the community. Um, For those who don't know, gatekeeping is like a term thrown around for if you are, you know, implementing some sort of uh, policy or culture or something, anything that is uh, stopping new people from getting into the particular hobby or advancing in it. So I wanted to talk about this because I feel like there are some places where I have seen examples of this in our community. And the only reason I even think to bring it up is because it I do think it's really rare. I think overall in the community, everyone is very welcoming and inviting. Certainly in our server, it's sort of all about teaching new people and getting them acclimated to the community and all the weird quirks about you know, how to use ladder, how to sign up for race time, how to stream, you know, all these things that you have to do that are sort of technical. Um, uh, and, you know, I, 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 usually you don't see that at all. It's uh, We have a very friendly community overall. But there are some examples that I see of it. And I wanted to just have an open conversation and, and maybe just start by saying, is this something that you guys have seen? Do you see it as being an issue? Do you think it's good to a certain extent do you think calling it gatekeeping is maybe you know not 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 the right word um i've said too much already i've, I've asked way too many questions uh, i'm just going to leave i'm going to leave this space and i'm going to open it up for someone else to step into it and say whatever they want to say so gatekeeping might be a bit of a overstep um as far as like the phrasing because that, that just really sounds like you're trying to keep people out like you you don't want them here and i don't really think that's what it is uh, i mean a lot of times and in the end we're like an online community and like the the i guess you know in, in the spirit of all of this it's like sometimes people are going to be rude sometimes people are going to be overly nice some people are going to take um people's messages the wrong way you know with like the wrong connotation especially you know, on Discord, because 90% of Discord communication is done via text. And how many times have you gotten a text message or some type of, you know, mobile message where you misread it and you just took the inflection of the message wrong? Um, and the other person was like, you know, I totally didn't mean it that way. Like, it, it got you upset. But, you know, and I guess the, 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 the way you could look at that is maybe when you put messages, think about how someone could take it. But at the same time, we've got people all over the globe playing this. And it's really hard to, I don't want to use the, say, like, respect the cultures. But, you know, what people, what's normal to people may not be normal to somebody else. So, 
I don't know. I, it, be nice to everybody, I guess, is a good way to put it. But at the same time, it's like, you know, also, it's online. So, in a way, you can't take things too personally. I, I, maybe maybe that's a good middle ground because I, I really don't see gatekeeping as something that's really happening too terribly much uh, in our community. Uh, so, I feel like I owe it to our audience to put a little bit of context in here. Um, so, the kind of thing I'm talking about is like when a new person shows up to a Link to the Past randomizer server, whether it be the main one or one of its many, many offshoots, uh, like our server or ladder server, uh, all the tournaments have their own servers typically. When someone, you know, kind of wanders in wide-eyed and innocent and asks a question that is, um, let's say, findable online, you could either Google it, uh, you could look through some sort of frequently asked questions. The answer is there and it's obvious. Th I think there's maybe a disagreement about how to treat things like that happening. There are people who are happy to jump in and answer questions and answer the same question over and over, something very, very obvious um, that, you know, honestly, the, they should have they should have read. They they maybe it was even so obvious that it's like on the screen while they're asking the question. Like It's like in a discord description or something like that. Um, you know, I think there's a disagreement of how to treat people like that. Are, there are sometimes, you know, people will answer those questions, but then you have the flip side where Sometimes people will come off in a way that is, uh, you know, kind of dismissive of them or maybe even shaming them for asking the question that was very obvious to look up. And that's where, you know, we've had conversations privately in our own channels and, and sort of, I don't know if like disagreed is the right word, but I'll say that even if someone comes in and asks something that's supposed to be super obvious, it really puts me off when I see people, you know, usually... Uh, veterans of the community attack that person. I, I don't understand why it happens. That's a strong uh, word. <laughs> like, what I, is I attack? Attack. Yeah, I got to interrupt just to say that's a strong word. I mean, being abrasive is one thing. Attacking, I, I mean, I don't think we've it's, had. Well, it's what, it's what the person's left with, and it's the intention of the language used that I think makes me use that word. And maybe it is strong, but the you know the the damage is dealt <laughs> so i don't know if that's an attack if that's not an attack then i don't know what to say because i've seen some people's reactions to the way that they've their interactions they've had after asking a simple maybe obvious question and it's like they get hurt by that and that's real and i just wonder if that's like what we want to do the community the kind of community we want to be you know i don't know what do you guys think about something like that I mean, I kind of get where you're coming from in a way, but at the same time, I'm really more on the anti side where I, I don't think gatekeeping is maybe the right word for it. Maybe, you know, people are abrasive or kind of rude or unfriendly. I also don't think anyone's ever been attacked for asking a question, at least not to my knowledge. Like, I don't read everything and I don't know everything that's going on. Uh, I, I see where there could be a problem where like an extremely new person comes in and asks a stupid question and they're ridiculed for it a little bit. And yeah, it feels bad, but that's just kind of how it is, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm not saying make fun of everybody and never and like dismiss everybody and never answer a question. But as you were saying, like if the answer is super obvious, I don't think it's too much to ask to have someone spend like five or ten minutes of their time 
to find the answer or to see if they can find it when when it's like very obvious or very clear that they didn't even try finding it but they just you know kick down the door and are like yo i'm new here how does this work (laughs) then i feel like it's perfectly fine to ridicule them a bit or to be a little bit dismissive or be like yo read this channel instead of bugging us with the question that's been asked 400 times already my thought is like with with tournaments especially the main tournament i mean there are questions that pop up there but there are questions after people have read the rules so i mean let's let's be real this this all cropped up because Everyone wants to know how to register for the ladder. (laughs) 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 So, like, there's a whole FAQ section, and it's basically the rules. Just, like, like, treat it like a tournament. Just read the rules, and then you, you, that's my take. It's like, if you read the rules, then you don't have to ask the question. And granted, as someone who is very lazy sometimes, and I'm just like, hey, give me the TLDR. How do I do this? But at that point, if, if if I'm really vested in something or want to be vested in something, I'm going to read the rules. Like, I'm going to read the write-up, whether it's rules or just an explanation or whatever, because I'm heavily interested. If I have kind of like, you know, a half interest in it, then yeah, I'm going to want a TLDR, you know. But at that point, like, or a short explanation. But yeah, I, mm, I, I don't know. I, I just I just don't see why you know, I, I wouldn't call it an attack it's just kind of like pointing them at the rules you know or kind of making a passive remark about go read the rules <laughs> like I, I don't know if i'd call that an attack or gatekeeping that's that's my takeaway from this and maybe some people are ruder than others and nicer than others but i don't think we have a problem with it I think I, the oh sorry go ahead I don't want to keep talking. No, about I you. was I was wait I was waiting to see if you were going to say something, and then if you didn't, I was going to say something. <laughs> but I'd rather I'd rather hear what you have to say. So my my point is, or I guess my if you want to take it to the other extreme, you know, from the the attack side, let's call it that that you mentioned, Temp. If you want to take it to the other extreme, uh, it's kind of disrespectful to everyone else's time for you to just come in and be like, oh, yo, I'm too lazy to read that. Just tell me what needs to happen. And mm. it's fine when, you know, when you want to assist uh, Dante Pudi, when you want to be lazy and just want the TLDR, but then you also have to be able to live with the ridicule or the rude answers you might get for it. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple quick things and then and then we can sort of wrap it up. We want to be respectful of our listeners' time. Um, <laughs> so the first thing is I want to echo something that Dante said about how when when you're online, like y- your brain turns off and it's really easy to be like, yo, just give me the Cliffs notes. I don't want to read through all these FAQs. I just want to play a fun game. I just need this one little bit of info before I play the game. So I want to echo that. I think that's a part that is really overlooked. I think when people come in and ask a question, um, it's not like they're trying to be a jerk. They just like, they just want to play the game. The other thing I want to mention is, you know, if someone asks a question and you don't feel like answering it, do you have to answer it? Could, could you just be someone who doesn't say something in, in, instead of like chastising them? Like, like you're their teacher for not doing their homework. Like you could just say nothing instead of, you know, being, being a, being a jerk, but you're ultimately improving them as a person by telling them to you know 
Well, you can't guarantee they're going to react positively and take what you said to heart and be like, mm, "You're right. I I will focus on that. Thank you, teacher." They're going to be they're going to be put off. They're going to be upset that they they tried to be friendly and and nice to a community and and the very first person that interacted with them was kind of mean. Well, that's you know I think that's kind of the question: Were they just being nice and trying to interact with the community, or were they being lazy and disrespectful of everyone else's time, despite them it taking them like three minutes to actually get their answer on their own? Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say like I've never. Uh, that's the first time I've ever heard someone correlating asking a question to being nice. Like that, that's just you being curious. I, I don't know if not, <laughs> nice is the yeah. word for no, it. No, I'll give you that. Yeah, that was a, a little bit of a leap on my part. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I we, we have to move on. I just wanted to start that conversation and maybe we can continue it in our Discord. I'd love to hear other people weigh in on it and, you know, what their thoughts are on this topic. If I'm overreacting or if, you know, there is maybe a culture shift that might need to change, you know, whatever. So I just wanted to spark that conversation. People like it when we argue. So there you go. That's about as close as arguing we'll, as we'll probably get. So <laughs> cool. All right. Let's do a quick uh, GMP community update. All right. So uh, episode uh, 50, we did the um, it was just a regular open. I played this one and I'm sorry, I have to spoil it real quick. So if you haven't played this yet and you want to just skip ahead a little bit. But OK, so I'm pretty sure the way that this one was laid out. You had, uh, first of all, the hammer is an ice palace. Have fun with that. Also, you um, generated the seed at SG Live 2019. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Nothing like that. This was a brand new seed. I did accidentally leave hints on. Uh, that was my bad. Um, I think a couple people used them and figured stuff out. But anyway, so the hammer was an ice palace. And the way that the keys were laid out, if you did icebreaker, you had to mirror to the front and do IPPJ instead. So it was like it was a perfect reinforcement of what we talked about, how it actually it would have been better to do IPPJ instead of Icebreaker. The logic would have worked out better. You wouldn't have had to mirror to the front. Isn't that crazy? That's kind of wild. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't you steal a key from the jelly and instead of doing Ice Pals Bomb Jump, just go do Icebreaker again if that was the case? No, I'm, I'm, oh, going, yeah, off, I, I'm going off what you said because I didn't play it. So. No, that's. I guess you could steal a key from the jelly. Yeah, you could fall down that pit and then kill the the jelly there, get the key, and then mirror it to the front, and then do icebreaker again. I don't really know <laughs> if that's faster, but I'm just kind of I'm being contrary here. Yeah, but no, yeah, you're. It was. Uh, and again, I I could be wrong, but I definitely last location that hammer it was ice palace was the last place I was trying to go, without without one, but um. Yeah, that was sort of a sort of a mean seed. So sorry about that one. So but, if uh, you left hints on. Uh, what we need to have a like a full episode discussion on is Temp needs to learn how to use Sahabot and <laughs> generate like just if it's open, just generate open seeds from that because that way it's all race settings and it's super quick. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we could just make someone else in charge of seed generation. All right, I'll do it. It's me. All right, you're you're the CEO of of DWS <laughs> Seed Generation. From now on all right everything Sweet. everything will be uh enemizer swordless nightmare you know insanity shuffle no, i'm kidding well most importantly it'll it'll be what we say it's going to be <laughs> <laughs> which is not really what it is usually now so um i'm excited for your new role um and wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors uh, hey thanks they're in 
Uh, okay, so obviously, episode 51, this one, we're talking all about non-sword damage. That's got to be swordless every day of the week, right? We got to give him a swordless. Yeah. yeah. I'm fine with that. Makes cool. more sense. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be. Um, and that wraps up uh, the community updates. Uh, again, you know, Discord has been popping. We're having a lot of fun doing casual races. Uh, I guess that's one thing I'll say real quick. Uh, even if you're not wrapped up in this tournament, but you would like to race occasionally, one nice thing about our Discord is after you join, you can sign up for a role within the Discord called Racer. And that just makes you available to be pinged anytime someone is looking for a pickup like casual race, which usually happens like a couple times a day, roughly. Uh, or you could do your own if you feel like racing, just ping it and be like hey is anyone out there that wants to race with me right now so we've had a lot of folks come in and do that so i'll just uh, promote that real quick um okay so i think we're ready to get into our feature um and no need for delay let's just uh flute right on over let's go All right, so I want to start by saying uh, that Dante was the engineer of this feature, uh, stepped up and wrote all about it. Uh, I think Swordless is maybe, would it be fair to say, kind of a passion of yours, Dante? Uh, I'm an advocate for it. Uh, passion, I'm not, I don't know if that's the right word. It's just, <laughs> look, it's a great learning tool, right? Because swords are randomized to begin with, and if you have issues you know, not having a sword in hand, then uh, if you can adapt and play a swordless seat every now and then, uh, you'll be able to, you know, handle the rest of it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Dante was was the one that kind of put all of this information together. So I want to give him a huge shout out and he'll be kind of walking us through all of this. And one thing that I did want to add is, you know, as we're talking about each of the weapons, uh, Dante has included some um, sort of technical data about, you know, en uh, which enemies are affected how, which I think is perfect. But I also want to talk just sort of briefly, generally about each one as we get into it, just like if there's any weird quirks about that item, uh, things that allow it, you know, to maybe do glitches that couldn't otherwise be done, just general errata about the items. Um, and then we'll get into details. Um, so with that, uh, Dandy, take it away. Tell us about all these non-swords. Oh, man. Okay, so um, I, I got to read my quote here. Uh, swords are a hindrance and a snare. Uh, <laughs> they give you a false sense of security. Um, I won't read the other quote I put in the outline. <laughs> um, it's disparaging towards people who are who need swords. Well, it was, it was a, something... Um, it's disparaging to people who enjoy the spin setup for bomb jumps because they're little tiny little oh, baby wow. men. Oh, wow. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, that's what Herb said last episode, and I loved it. <laughs> um, all right, so we're kind of going to just go in the order that they are on the menu. Um, basically, we've got a, a, a wiki page here that I kind of pulled all this info from. Um it's just kind of a generic link to the past thing, and we'll be sure to link that in the description. And when I say we, I mean Tim. Um, <laughs> the the light world and the dark world enemies, they'll be linked there. So um, here's let's start with arrows. Um, and if I get, you know, I, I'm going to get built up a, a, a head of steam here, and I'm going to be like Bowser. I might start slow, but we're going to go real fast like Mario Kart. And because uh, this is like, this is a lot of technical stuff. So... I don't want to get too deep into it. Um, so if that happens, Temp, and you want me to slow down or herf, just tell me to pump the brakes. Throw a red shell at me. You got it. Um, so arrows, uh, 
these are the brown ones, you know, not not the the spicy ones um, that are silver. Um, they do four HP of damage, basically to every overworld enemy. And let me already pump my own brakes. I'm not going to talk about bosses here. And the reason mm. I'm not talking about bosses is because we got a whole two part series on bosses by the great Airy, and that is definitely worth a listen. So if you're like, hey, what do I do about bosses? Well, you know, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to those episodes. Um, so arrows four HP of damage. Now, a lot of light world enemies basically, um, are kind of going to get killed in one hit. Um, there are a few exceptions to these. So, uh, for some reason, <laughs> the Stalfos skulls, um, those are the Stalfos enemies that fall in Eastern palace after you open the chest, um, uh, to, you know, where the vanilla bow is. And mm-hmm. in pod, after you open the Stalfos chest in the, you know, that little basement area, for some reason, those only take three HP of damage from the bow. Don't know why that's a thing. That's, you know, we talked about how weird damage tables can be on a previous episode. And, um, yeah, that is, that's what they do. They're the only ones that take three damage. Um, obviously, uh, you're going to hear some of these names a lot. There are some that take no damage to bow. Um, you can't hurt them at all, which are Lionels, the Thieves, or the Pikus, which are the Dark World ones. Um, you know, once I kind of give the clarification as to what these are, just a heads up, we're going to just call them what I've got written down. Yeah, the colloquial um, name. <laughs> uh, the Gibdos, uh, you know, Skullwoods, and I think that's the only place they are. Uh, I've been playing Enemizer, so I'm kind of seeing them everywhere. Uh, <laughs> GG, the Be- I guess. <laughs> G- yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, beetles, uh, the, you know, the little things with the blue and the red balls on their head. Um, there, they have a different name, but I put beetles in here. Stalfos knights, which are the things in ice palace, the, the, the ones that you have to kill with bombs. So they have to die from bombs. There's no way to hurt them with basically anything. Uh, freezers also apply in this category, uh, cannot hurt them at all with anything except fire rod. We'll get to that. Uh, chain chomps. You know, Temp and I know the struggle of trying to find some something with a chain chomp. So we've t- we've done the deep research on the chain chomps. Uh, so so of this list right here, which ones are the most surprising to you that uh, they're impervious to arrow damage? Probably the Gibdo. Uh huh. I, I I always I, I do have a tendency if I already have the bow equipped to fire one, and I'm like as I'm firing it, I'm like yeah, that's not going to do anything. I always think it's mm-hmm. going to do something because even the fighter sword hurts them. I have that yeah. happen with the beetles for some reason. I don't know why, but my brain just can't, you know, retain the information that arrows don't do anything to the beetles. I guess you have to imagine that they're, like, made of jelly, you know, yeah. and, like, that's why arrows wouldn't hurt them. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. They know. should, if they were made of jelly, they should have the sound effect of the bumper when the arrow hits them instead of the, oh, the whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, instead of the thunk, <laughs> uh, you know, and nothing, no damage, or just impervious. Yeah, man, that would actually fix that for sure. Yeah, Vitor, help us out. Uh, <laughs> so going from arrows uh, quickly, the upgrade to the silver arrows. This is real simple. Um, basically, the stuff, uh, everything's going to die in one hit except one enemy, uh, and that is the pokies. Uh, they have uh, more, for some reason, it doesn't do 100 damage to them like it does with bosses. Uh, it does 24 damage. And if I recall correctly, those pokies have 32 HP. So it takes two silver arrows to kill a pokey. Uh, that's 
kind of odd to me. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, the stuff that can't be hurt by silver arrows, like, at all, are um, basically the things that can't be hurt by anything except something specific. So, Stolfos Knights, again, the Thieves, Pikus, uh, the Freezors, and the Chain Chomps. You know, most of those you can't kill unless it's a very specific item. So, silver arrows are no exception there. But, but yeah, they're super useful, except, you know, for the lag that they cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the silver arrows uh, shore up those um, impervious enemies that we talked about. Lynels, Gibdos, and Beetles can be killed with silver arrows, which is nice. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is just sort of the nature of how shooting an arrow works. So you can only have one arrow on the screen. Is that correct, or is that an oversimplification mm-hmm. of kind of... Yeah. So and that's something I see a lot of new people kind of uh, maybe not grasp right away is they'll just like spam the arrow button when they're trying to shoot something really far across the screen, say like Armos Knight as an example. Um, would you agree, Dancy, or, or, you know, what are your general thoughts? Is it better to kind of stand closer to an enemy so you can like fire a bunch of arrows at them uh, so that you can get more off? Or what, what's your philosophy on the, the delay there? I mean, it's risk reward. Um you know, the closer you are to something, the more likely you are to be hit by it. Uh, at the same time, if and if speed is your interest and you feel like you can predict their movement very well, then yeah, you want to be closer so you can do more damage. Um, this is why you'll see a lot of people, and I'll use this as a quick example, in Mimics 1 of GT, you'll see people uh, do the, the technique where they have their sword out, where they can fire the arrows southward. Um uh, to you know, take out the mimics quickly because if you don't have if you don't have silvers, it takes two, and with only one being on the screen, you want the travel time to be faster. Uh, you see this in a lot of NMG runs. I know P Train put out a video recently on like the entire gauntlet of GT, um, kind of breaking it down room by room, and uh, it was very it was very interesting to to watch because I I do struggle with that southward firing. I always kind of bring him to my east or to my right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So and when that happens, I if someone's doing it perfectly there, that is definitely, you know, a couple seconds time loss because I am waiting for that arrow to travel. So yeah, it's it's definitely more efficient to have have them closer, but overall in the overworld, you know, how practiced are are you at it and, you know, is the RNG going to favor you? Yeah. Um, final thoughts about arrows. Uh, I mean, I guess just progression wise, as we know, it does lock a few things. Um, it has a distinction of being progressive. Thanks to V31, there's two arrow or two bows out there and either one can give you the ability to shoot arrows. And then the second one that you find gives you silvers. Um, other than that, uh, I think that's about it. So that that pretty much is everything you need to know about arrows. So let's move on to the next one we have here, which is boomerangs. Yeah, boomerangs are fun. They stun enemies um, unless, you know, you're playing hard mode or hard functionality, which that's, you know, terrible. Um, <laughs> but it, it doesn't damage pretty much anybody uh, except a few exceptions. And this is I hope you guys are noticing the trend here. Uh, there are exceptions to all the rules in yeah. link to the past damage, but um, but yeah, the stun is nice. Uh, I will throw this in here: the stun on the ball and chain guards for some reason is really short. Uh, so just be mindful of that if you're like, hey, I got a boomerang, almost vanilla, and escape, and I'm gonna stun him so it's faster. Just it doesn't stun him long. He'll be shaking to like unstun almost as quick as he gets stunned. But um, 
A few exceptions here, and I really don't know why you would ever want to use these, but we're going to list them really fast. Uh, enemies that will take one HP of damage from the boomerang, meaning you could eventually kill them with it. Uh, they are the Wallmaster, the Pose, like the little floating ghosts, um, the Zoras or the Coos. The Coos are the Dark World Zoras. Um, I put Birdos because it's both Birdos, uh, the the Light World Crows and the the Birdos that killed Gerdo in Dark World. Um, <laughs> the like likes the or the pumpkin looking things, you know, the things that eat your shield. Those mm-hmm. um, stalls, which are the skulls that uh, are in the Dark World Dark World Overworld. Uh, that was a lot of R's. Um, <laughs> but basically, like those are the things you kind of have to bump into, and then they activate. Uh, you can do one HP of damage to those. Um, I learned a lot about this next enemy, kind of writing this up. But Swamolas, the the little yeah, the the things that are in the mire area, uh, they take one HP of damage. Vultures, the the circular flying birds, the topi or the toppy, which are the rabbits that pop out of the grass, um, and all of the small stalfos. So basically, uh, the 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 white headed Stalfos and the red headed Stalfos, uh, for lack of better phrasing, all of those take one HP of damage and you know, like the birds you can kill, like if they're coming at you and you're like half a heart and you're kind of worried, you throw it, I think it's twice they're dead. So Hmm. yeah, I was um, just looking to see how much HP they have. Uh, it's, they have four HP. Oh, okay. You have to hit them four times. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's four, but yeah, I mean, I've done that in the past and it's funny. But it, a lot, a lot of those, like I said, they are. Um, they're, they're, it's very not worth your time to do it. You know, like if you pop them to get them, like change their trajectory, that's one thing. But you know, um, let's let's move to the no effect and no stun uh, enemies. Uh, you're gonna hear a lot of these. You've heard before. Those are Stalfos Knights, Freezors, Thieves, and Pikus, Chain Chomps. This is some new ones. Wizrobes, although. You know, those things die really quick. I don't know why you'd want to stun them. Mm. Um, the Creepies, which are the uh, green and blue flying Dark World enemies, the green ones that drop the oh, bombs. Those are so obnoxious. Yeah, they, they can be real bad in Enemizer. Um, but yeah, they don't stun those. Uh, Lionels, no effect. Shadows, those are the things that pop out of the wall in, say, like Ice Palace. Ice Palace. Yeah. Yep. Berries, which are the jellies that are electrified. Um, the Patricks, because that's what I called them. Uh, basically, what? the lo- <laughs> yeah, Patrick, Patrick Star, the the things that are in the hellway in um oh in Thieves Town. They do look like Patrick. They yeah. do, yeah. I mean, that's wow. why every com ever says like the Patricks or Patrick Starfish here. Um, okay. All right. Jokes aside, uh, mimics and Igors uh, are invulnerable. Uh, mini Helmosaurs, mini Moldorms. Hobas, which are the floating water enemies in Swamp Palace, like the things that kind of look like tad oh, tadpoles is probably not. They're like water skimmers. Yeah, um, they got like the, the three white legs. Palace. Yeah, at the yeah. very beginning of Swamp Palace as well, when you get the the you know that first key. Oh, they're like skimmers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and uh, let's see. So the hobos, uh, the pokies. Um, I don't know why you'd want to stun a pokey, but mm-hmm. uh, pinnagators. Uh, the Pyragoose. The Pyragoose is the orange missile-looking thing in Swamp that pops out of the wall and, you know, starts moving around real fast. Uh, that's that's my description of it. I don't really know what people call those. I call them annoying. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. P- 
pommets or turtles, you know, the things you got to flip over. Um, but they are in, they are vulnerable slightly after you flip them. But I mean, I put in the notes here, why would you want to switch to the boomerang <laughs> to hit them? Because you already had a hammer to flip them and the Kodongos. So uh, this all of that is a, I know it's a lot of information. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of that here, but um, that the Kodongos and stuff like that, the boomerangs are literally like tit for tat like they are blue red one goes further one goes faster one causes lag one doesn't one has ancilla stuff blah 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 but they all function the exact same way as far as damage and stunning capability all right so let's just because people are gonna ask let's let's all go around and say which boomerang we like better <laughs> i'll start uh, i'll start <laughs> i don't want to be doing this look i don't, I don't want to but i know all right people... so next is the <laughs> <laughs> I, I like i like the blue boomerang <laughs> i just like a boomerang at this point uh i'm not really great at the ancel stuff with the red boomerang so it's like as long as i've got one to make my menu nicer shout outs to uh epipoliticus and herfy derfy at speed gaming live um, you know, that, uh, <laughs> it'll make my life better, especially in swordless. Yeah. That's a deep pool right there. I'm pretty sure, sure I saw is. that and I'm not even exactly sure what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I skipped the yeah. boomerang and literally it made my menu absolutely awful for a swordless Argus fight. And <laughs> it would have, right. it would have been so much better if I'd have just picked up the stupid boomerang. Yeah. Um, all right. That's uh, we'll we'll call it there for for our boomerangs. Um, but we've got good momentum going. Uh, definitely looking forward to hearing a little bit more about this next item, which is going to be the hookshot. Yeah, hookshot is uh, fantastic because it it's like a better boomerang in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it stuns most enemies. Um, there are some good implications or things to know, um, and we're just going to run right through these. The hookshot kind of used to be i'll say this for personal experience it used to be where i lost a lot of time in rando because i would always want to switch my menu back to hookshot just to have it equipped because it's so useful because you know not just pulling you places but um kind of as a defense thing so it stuns everything um with these exceptions uh it will instant ko some enemies and we're going to run through these really quick uh the ropes which are the snakes like in the back of escape uh, the uh, popos, um, the which are like the little you know tentacles bags of tentacles, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, mini moldorms. So if you're in mini moldorm cave and you got a hook shot, you know it. Sometimes you might miss, but hey, it, it it's unlimited attempts. Uh, keys. So the bats, um, rats or crickets. Uh, that applies to the rats in escape. That applies to the crickets in thieves town that are really scary on green mail. The vultures, so the circle birds, slimes, which are the onion-looking enemy that things get turned into if you use the powder on them, or the quake medallion. Uh, That's something you don't see too often, but I figured we'd put that in there. Uh, Pose, birdos, the creepies again. Uh, Swamolas actually are instant KOs. I did not know that. I learned that. That's crazy because they have so much HP too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll learn later on with some of these other ones that they're pretty hefty enemies. <laughs> yeah. Um, shadows, so things in ice. The berries, uh, both phase one and phase two of the red berries are, inv- are vulnerable to these as far as a one-hit KO. 
Uh, the Hobas again from Swamp, the Pentagators, the Pyragoose from Swamp, the Slimes, um, the Zoros, which not to be confused with Zoras, those <laughs> those are the mini shadow enemies in the back of Meyer and GT or TR, excuse me. Uh, that so, like stream through after you bomb a wall. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So those are all one hit KOs. Um, there are a Wait, few. Wait, do, do you can you hookshot all of the little ones, or is it all one sprite? I think it's all one. I've never tried to hookshot on those guys before. I would never even think to do that. That's crazy. Yeah. Huh. Um, now, now you know. Yeah, it's it's not, um, you know, something you'd want to really want to use on those Zoro things. But yeah, because you usually have a bomb out already, so you'd be switching to the hookshot to do it. Yeah, yeah. It, it would be it would be kind of aggravating to do. Um, so let's list off really quick the. Um, no enemies uh, that are impervious. Yeah, the no effect enemies: Kodongos, uh, the Igors and the Mimics, the Thieves and the Pikus, the Tektites, which are those like blue and red jumpy crab looking things on the mountain. Uh, bees, you know, they they're not that scary, but sometimes they are. Um, Hinox, or like the Hinoxes uh, that throw the bombs, the Lionels, the Gibdos, the Patricks. Um, Pokies, impervious to it as well. Stolfos Knights, Freezors, obviously, Chain Chomps as well. Wallmasters and Wizrobes. So, um, yeah, that's, um, kind of what we, uh, (laughs) have to deal with. Yeah, Hookshot is so interesting. It's like every enemy has their own rule of whether it works on them or not. And so there's a there's a long list of enemies like, you know, the Dante just read that are killed instantly by it. But it's also kind of a pretty surprising list of these guys that are not hurt by it at all. And it's like, you know, it might seem crazy for Dante to read out a list like that. But I, I it's exactly what it takes to know, because it is just like pulling out of a hat, like whether whether they're impervious or killed one hit. So, um, t- you know, I, I think that that's a good list to just listen to a time or two, maybe, and make sure that you know who can be killed by a hookshot and who doesn't get hurt at all. I yeah, think, and... Sorry, go ahead, Herb. I was just going to say, I think the hookshot for me is probably the most, like, interesting and, like, my favorite weapon on or item on this list, because... Usually when you talk to people about hookshot, they think about it as a stunning weapon where you're like, oh, I want to check my stun prize, but I don't have a boomerang, so I'll just shoot my hookshot at this guy. But what we just heard from Dante is that it kills a surprising amount of enemies instantly just out of nowhere. Like what I used to always be very surprised with is how fast you can kill the pengators in Ice Palace since they just die instantly. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty common knowledge, but it, it's still like they they take like two fire rod shots, or if you don't have a high enough sword, you have to slash them a whole bunch of times. But the hookshot just you know straight up kills them. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And not to even mention the uh, you know per, uh, other aspects of the hookshot aside from doing damage. Um, you know, it is fun to zip around Hyrule and the Dark World with it. Uh, it'll hook to just real quick off the top of my head. I don't know anything that's made out of wood. So like fences and trees, uh, pots, you can zip to any of those. Um, some wall surfaces uh, that are like freestanding in dungeons. 
Um, there's like a pillar type that it will stick to. Uh, so yeah, you can you can stick to a surprising amount of things if you do happen to have the hookshot out already. Uh, there's a lot of points of the game where you probably will like up, up on the mountain, for instance. Um, it's it's worth it to experiment and also watch people play with the hookshot to know what are those like tiny little spots where you can get a zip here and there because um, it you know it'll save save some frames and that's that's what we're doing here so yeah for um, sure any final thoughts on the hookshot it's really great unless swamp is a pendant then you don't <laughs> then you don't want to see it that that's yeah. my hot take <laughs> <laughs> cool all right let's move over uh in our menu uh right one and let's talk a little bit about bombs as as a weapon uh yeah so bombs um you start with zero of them you can hold 10 of them you can buy the capacity upgrades um you know do what you want with that but anyway they do four hp of damage to enemies that's kind of across the board uh i didn't really see any variance based off of the wikis um so you know obviously they they blow open doors and stuff but we're not getting into that but 4 HP of damage across the board. There are two exceptions. Um, they will instant kill pen- Pentagators and Henoxes. And that's why in Enemizer you'll see people a lot of times, if the room is full of um, Henoxes, you'll see them switch to bombs and like time a throw. Um, this is very good, useful info on you know how to manage or how to use bombs as a weapon. It, it can be tough sometimes. But definitely something worth learning. Yeah. What about trying? Can can we explore like how to time throwing a bomb? Because I think that's a common thing that comes up that new players have to deal with, especially in like mini Moldorm Cave. Maybe that's the only weapon that you have at that point. Um, do you have any pointers for putting down a bomb, picking it up, and throwing it in a way that will not get you killed or waste all your bombs? I would. I try to just kind of channel my ultra instinct and just know when to throw it. But <laughs> me too. There's me too, not, man. There's honestly, I wish there was a better way, but yeah, I just I kind of just feel it. So here's what I would suggest. This is the biggest thing that I see a lot of people freak out about when it happens, especially since you brought up Mini Moldrum Cave. If you throw the bombs late, there is a chance that they will do like either their last or next to last bounce and then explode. And if that happens, it does something weird to their altitude where they don't damage anything that they're at. So it, it, it's, I don't know the specifics behind that, but I see it all the time and I see people always freak out when it happens, like if it's their first time. And I did the same thing. So I say all that to say, if you throw it a little early, you, you're kind of guessing where it's going to be, but it does do splash damage. Like, there are is a pretty big hitbox for the bombs, especially with many Moldorms. So, mm-hmm. you kind of... You'll see a lot of runners look like they, they're, like, you know, God, basically, throwing bombs super quick in many Moldorm and killing all of them in, like, a record, you know, pace. The idea behind that is get them kind of in the vicinity where you see the Moldorms at and where they have the potential to move to, and then you can, you know, just take them all out in one go. That's kind of my thought. Mm. 
What about uh, specifically dealing with some of the um, kill rooms in escape with bombs only? Because that will come up potentially in standard for some of our racers in the mentor tournament. <laughs> any any um, you know helpful tips for that? Mm, I don't have a. There's there is a setup to do this. Okay. Yeah. There's like uh, just general, just like real general. I do know that w- what I see a lot of people do is like use the middle area where the actual chest is to your advantage. Like get get you the enemy kind of tripped up on that. You can. Uh, there there are specific setups, and I'm sorry, I don't know them. I literally just kind of I put a bomb down where I know the the initial hit is. There's there's ways of comboing the one two punch on the blue guards because it takes two bombs to handle those. But I do the first one and then kind of do the second one on the fly. If I can't get him off me, you know, because he's coming at me, it's always best to take, if you're going to be me, it's best to take a hit from the guard and not the bomb. And I say Mm. that because you get iframes when the guard hits you right before the bomb goes off and it'll kill the guard. But at the same time, uh, it does half-hearted damage instead of a full-hearted damage. So mm-hmm. that's you know that's your backup plan. Hey, ask your ask your mentors. I'm sure there's a ton of mentors that know that and say, "Wow, Dante's an idiot." <laughs> no, no, no. They're, they're, I should know this, but I don't. So <laughs> no, it's well, I you know it just goes back to like kind of having a better understanding of bombs and really getting a feel for the timer on them. And it goes back to what we're talking about right now, which is like, or I guess more of what we talked about a few episodes ago of taking damage, you know, knowing that, okay, the bomb is going to hurt me more than getting hit from the guard. So I'm going to take a hit from the guard first, then let the bomb go off instead of doing what I think a lot of people do and what I'm certainly guilty of a lot of times, which is just holding the bomb and not letting it go and trying to be near the guard. Because it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take some damage, but at least it's a surefire hit. I'm not going to waste a bunch of bombs. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I've done. But, it, you know, to just let the guard hit you first and then drop the bomb and, you know, which will make you drop the bomb and then they get hit. You're saying that that's a better way to do it. So I, I think that's just that kind of information alone, I think, makes us discussing this worth it. Yeah, that always that kind of boils down to knowing how much damage you're going to take from something. Now, another thing I want to mention about the bomb, and I don't want to get too into it, but uh, it is technically how do I say this? I know we, we said we weren't going to talk much about bosses, but it can kill certain bosses, which makes it logically, uh, you know, it could be the only thing that you have at that point in the game to kill that boss. It's rare. Um, there's a famous example we've talked about many times on this show. We talked about it on our very first episode um, where uh, the bottleneck was Lanmalus and all they had to kill Lanmalus was, well, they did have the blue cane, which is a little bit of a help, and bombs. But like... That was how they beat the game. So if you're a newer player and you don't know that bombs can kill bosses like Landmalus and, uh, you know, certain enemies like mini Moldorms, uh, you might think that you're stuck or that your seed is broken when actually you just need to go use, fill up on bombs and then use them to kill some sort of enemy that allows you to get more chests like those mini Moldorms or Landmalus or whatever the case may be. So just beware um, when you're when you're in early game thinking you might be stuck, maybe you're just unlucky and you have to go kill something with bombs. Yeah, and last last piece of that, uh, the Landmola timing. I didn't know this till recently. Sailor Nep actually was the one who kind of gave me a, a good cue. Uh, when the Landmola is 
going back into the ground and as it's right as it's disappearing like fully back into the ground that's when you want to drop the bomb and then you know no pun intended but that's when you want to drop it at least and pick it up so you can throw it to where it's going to spawn and that will give you almost the perfect timing to allow it to hit as it's coming out and that way you don't miss but Bomb's really not the most effective way to kill landmolas, but good in a pinch. If you if you absolutely must, yeah. which the point of this is like, it's it's not off the table completely. It's exactly. like, like a lot of things in this game. So cool. Okay, um, that should do it for bombs. Um, next up, we're we're moving up to the down to the second row uh, on our menu, and the first one farthest over to the left is going to be the fire rod. So fire rod. You only have eight shots with this, unless you have half magic. Then you have 16. Uh, so keep that in mind. Basically, every overworld enemy uh, as a whole, it is going to incinerate. So when you hit it, it's just going to burst in flames and it disappears. There's uh, a weird delay. There's like a second or two where it's just sitting there on fire. It's kind of horrifying. Uh, yeah, a little uh, bit. And then it dies. So a couple of things about the incineration real fast. Uh, the red berries that you know spawn the two smaller red berries after you hit them uh the jellies if you want to call them that if you fire rod the first one it will not go to phase two Ooh. like it just burns it away also one more tidbit of information regarding that if you're in ice palace in enemizer tim loves when i go on these tangents uh I do. If, you, if you're in ice palace and you're in enemizer and the bomb jump's not working not the icebreaker but the bomb jump's not working that probably means there's a berry either in that room or the next room that is messing with altitude values. Yes, that is a thing. The only way to get rid of that is to use the fire rod or bombos and kill the berry in phase one entirely where it won't respawn. If you kill it in phase two, you know, you swipe it and then you kill the little two ones, like the two that spawn off with a sword and then you walk out of the room it respawns don't know why that happens it just does but if you use the fire rod and get rid of it it will for some reason fix the altitude value so the bomb jump will work as intended so it, it involves a little bit of backtracking to do that but um just having that in your back pocket as a piece of knowledge uh and I, I think there's another enemy that does that too but the fire rod can handle it i'm not 100 sure but I know the red berries do it. It's always a mess when it happens. So anyway, mm. off that tangent, um, it does incinerate things. There are a few exceptions. So for some reason, there are a pool of enemies. It only does eight HP of damage to. Those are the Hinox, so bomb throwing dudes. The Swamolas, those guys are pretty tough. And uh, the Pentagators. So you don't want to use them against the Pentagators in Ice Palace. Um, yeah, there's just those three. That do, you know, that particular, um, that particular amount of HP. It's kind of odd to me. It is. It, it is odd, and it's it's a shame that Pentagators don't die in one hit because it would be nice to a certain to a certain degree if you could just like keep the fire rod out all through the beginning of Ice Palace because like as you mentioned, it's really nice for those red berries. I actually didn't know that about them not splitting up if you hit them with fire rod. So it's like if the Pentagators were also. Uh, killed in one hit to fire rod you could maybe just keep that out the whole time if especially if you knew you had like a magic refill before you had handled cold stare um but no sure. you, you can't you can't use that it's not really going to work very well i mean you can but you, you don't want to have to hit each pentagator twice that's that's a huge waste of magic 
Definitely. Yeah. Um, and there are a few things that do uh, no damage or that take no damage. And those are Lionels, the Thieves, and the Pikus yet again. Uh, the Patricks, or the official name, the Gibos. I did put that here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, all the Mimics, red and, red and green. Um, the Mini Helmosaurs, the Pawns, or the Beetles. Uh, the Stalfos Knights, the Chain Chomps, Dead Rocks, and Igors. All of those. No damage whatsoever. Don't waste your magic. Don't waste your fire rod. That's the fire rod. It's pretty It's pretty cool. Yep. It's also a fire source, um, which logically has a lot of implications. Um, technically, you can beat the game without the fire rod, which we, I think we've mentioned a couple times on the show before. There's just that one room in Ganon's Tower that's sort of tough without it. Or a couple rooms, I guess, in Ganon's Tower that are tough without it, but it is technically possible. Just sort of neat. Um, anything else about the fire rod? Her, if you like the fire rod. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he's like leans forward in his chair really fast uh, 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 yeah yeah no i mean um, it's all right i think it's a little sad as you guys were mentioning that it has uh all this delay after you actually shoot an enemy that takes damage from it uh, like you either don't kill him if it only does eight damage or you have to sit there and wait for it to finish burning down which especially in kill rooms can be super annoying that's yeah. kind of the funny thing since you brought that up if you do the eight damage to like the henox the the small molas whatever and you kill them with it they instantly evaporate like there's no fire animation time mm-hmm. Hmm. so it, it, it's weird but yeah it's not worth the double shot but i digress moving on so yeah so the yeah the fire rod's <laughs> weird cousin with a bunch of weird qualities <laughs> weird cousin yeah the it literally <laughs> i i I don't know why the devs put this in the game just to kind of be like, hey, guys, we're going to make you leave Turtle Rock because you don't know what to do with this this redhead thing. <laughs> um, it was like the initial the ice rod was the 1990 Plando, uh, I think, is what that was. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it freezes enemies. Uh, why is that useful? Well, it, it it's pretty cool because you can pick them up over your head and you're carrying an enemy. And if. You're doing that. It looks really funny. And you can throw them. And when you throw those enemies, they do tempered sword damage. So that's like throwing pots or the the brown bushes in the overworld. Because brown bushes do tempered sword damage. What? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's why oh, the brown weird. that's why the brown bushes on South Shore kill the uh the little green uh pickles. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. The electric guys. Yeah, yeah. Um they, they kill them in one hit because they do temperature damage. Um, oh, wow. The green bushes and the purple bushes in Dark World only do bush damage, whatever that is. I, I didn't look that up. So, mm. uh, <laughs> anyway, so you can, like I said, you can pick those up uh, and, and throw them. It's, it's really great. It's fun to do, and it's actually useful sometimes. Uh, there are some enemies that take no damage or don't be, they're not affected by the ice rod. These are a lot of does, but we're going to go through them real quick. Uh, Freezors, Chain Chomps, Stalfos Knights, Beetles, Pentagators, Mimics, Igors, Patricks, uh, the Gibos, uh, Red Guards, uh, Ball and Chain Guards. That's that's one that I didn't know one time. So the Ball and Chain Guards, whether they be Agatower or Back of Escape or Bottom of Escape, you can't freeze those. So mm-hmm. don't don't waste your magic. Thieves and Pikus, Lionels, Dead Rocks. Uh, red grass spear soldiers. I didn't couldn't think of a better way to describe <laughs> that. 
So basically, the soldiers that pop out of the ground that throw the spears at you, like they got the bushes around the bottom of their sprite, you can't freeze those. And any soldier that has a spear, not a sword, but a spear. So the red guards that kind of aggro or come at you as soon as, like, they start. Basically, if it's got red armor, it's, like, impervious to the uh, the ice rod. So don't don't waste your time. Um, it'll just kind of hit them, and that's it. So, yeah. yeah. Those are those. Yeah. Those guards have... They all have weird qualities. When I was doing research for the sword episodes, it like there's just like weird caveats about all of them, and I always struggle to be like, should I should I even talk about this? Because like they never show up. Like they're in the Hyrule Castle tile or whatever, but it's yeah. very easy to never see them. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but they have like weird rules for them only. It's it's kind of weird. I do feel like that's on on task though, because especially with Enemizer being part of ladder, true, and, true, and a lot Enemizer. of people. Um, you know, a lot of people playing ladder right now and, Mm -hmm. you know, having that information is great. Uh, so uh, again, there are some exceptions, uh, to the, the ice rod yet again, there are the eight damage pool enemies. Um, some of these sound familiar, some don't, but the pokies, they only take eight damage. So, I mean, if you've got a fire rod, you might as well use the fire rod on the pokey. If you don't have tempered sword, kills Um, them in one hit. Yeah. Swamolas and like likes. They do not get frozen, but they take damage. So take that for what it's worth. There are enemies that are, there are some enemies that are killed in instantly from the ice rod. Those are all the berries, the blue guards. That's really useful, by the way. If like you're doing open mode and you're a dirty uncle router like me and (laughs) you get an ice rod and there's, you know, those magic pots and let's say you get like three bombs, you could probably do escape if you get enough magic, you know? So blue guards instantly die. That's two rooms. And then, you know, it's just one bomb for the green guards. So keep that in mind. Um, so the, the, this is <laughs> the babusos. Uh, I'm not sure how, how you pronounce that, but those are the shadows. Uh, they are instant kill from ice rod as well. The stalls or the skulls. Um, that, you know, you activate in the dark world we mentioned. The Zoras or the Kus, which uh, we've talked about those already. The Poes, the mini Moldorms, the white and the red Stalfos Knights. The Devil Ant, which is the desert sand pit enemy that kind of crops up and Mm -hmm. slows you down. Uh, Those will be instant kill as well. Uh, The Jumping Rabbit Toppy, Vultures, Bush Crabs, Bees. I don't know why you shoot an ice rod at a bee, but okay. (laughs) Uh, the Sandman or Jazz Hands, whatever, how you want to call them, that <laughs> pop up in desert. Um, Birdos and Grass Archers. All of those uh, die in one hit. So that's that's kind of useful information. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from that, if you should remember one in particular, is probably the Blue Guards. Like, just to, you know, speed things up potentially for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this list of no damage versus instant kills sort of reminds me of the hookshot list a little bit. It Ice Rod also has kind of plays by its own rules, it seems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the problem with Ice Rod is that it's still eight shots, just like the Fire Rod. It's only eight shots if you've got a full magic meter or 16 if you've got the half magic. Um, the other thing about using Ice Rod as a weapon is it has a weird like delay to it. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, yeah, it's... You hit the button and Link does his animation and then the ice rod kind of thinks about it 
and then it the the beam actually comes out like it, it's, it's slow a, it's, it's like it's, this illusion yeah it's like it <laughs> seems like it's going slow but I it think, actually yeah go ahead i was just gonna say i think the easiest way to put it is that the ice drop projectile has acceleration it starts out very slowly or not moving at all and then it slowly accelerates to full speed which is i think the same as a fire projectile really yes it gets yeah. faster as it goes? Mm-hmm. I yeah, did not realize quickly. that. It, it happens very quickly, but it, it starts out almost not moving at all, and then it you know gets faster and faster, and that's where the feeling of a delay comes from because you shoot it and it's not moving, and then you're like, come on, I want to hit that guy. And then when it finally gets up to speed, the guy walked out of the way long ago. Hmm. So, yeah, it's it's tricky to, to use as a weapon. I think a lot of these ice rod situations uh, – you know, that could come up like Dante's describing. It's certainly an atomizer, 100%. There's, there's no doubt they could come up there, but, um, it's all, it's also like kind of a worst case scenario kind of thing. Like if all you have is the ice rod for whatever reason, this is the kind of information that you're going to be really glad that you know. Um, but I, I don't, I, I, would it be fair to say like you're not going to reach for the ice rod when you're like, what would be the perfect item to kill this enemy? I know. Beep, 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 like through your whole item like <laughs> if you have everything you're never going to use the ice rod would you disagree with that no i think the ice rod is usually the last choice kind of thing you know say for specific situations i guess so here's i'll, I'll kind of quickly give you an example of when it's super useful right so uh back in the spoiler keys thing from the league when Edium, myself, Walter, and Kern were doing the exhibition of that. Uh, there was a scenario that came up in that match where I got the ice rod at the very beginning uh, from, like, Uncle. And there was, like, bombs in Link's house or something like that. So I had three bombs. And so basically what happened was it was like, man, I really wish I could route in everything in uh, Escape, but I can't. And... Edium made sure to tell me, yeah, you can. You can kill the, get the magic twice, like leave the little secret passage and go back in to get more magic, and then you'll have enough. And I had no idea what he was talking about, and it involved those blue guards. So granted, this is a spoiler scenario, so it's like, you know, you know something. We knew something was in front of escape. So basically, I got enough magic with those bombs where I could do all of that in one go. So it that's super niche, but knowing that, can help you i guess uh, that's mm -hmm. kind of my takeaway from that mm -hmm. no it's yeah it's definitely good information to know and that's why we're telling you but i don't want people to maybe get the wrong idea like it's this secret uh you know like this this secret weapon that's going to <laughs> trivialize things because you know these things it's more like a desperation kind of like you know in, in case of emergency use use ice rod I mean, it's a clickbait thing, you know? It's like, you know, destroy all these enemies with this one cool rod. <laughs> yeah. Uh, blue, blue guards hate it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of a... It's kind of a self-solving problem because usually the ice rod will be the last item you find anyways. So, mm -hmm. you know. Fair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think we, we talked this, or maybe we didn't. There are a couple enemies that only... There's one enemy that the ice rod only does four damage to. Uh, and I don't know why that's a thing. And I honestly, I never see anybody actually attack these things. Like, mm -hmm. you know, unless they're super new um, or playing vanilla, you know, casually. But uh, the Stolfo Skulls, the things in Eastern yeah. again and Pod, like for some reason they only do four damage. Those are some weird enemies, but. Yeah. 
it's another one of those like out of the way guys, not necessarily out of the way. Cause you see them all the time, but like you said, like they drop down and they're, they just sit there. So like you're already way gone by the time they finally mobilize in most rando situations. But yeah, yeah they, they have weird qualities. This is a weird game guys. That's what we're trying to tell you. It sure is <laughs> what this is all about. Uh, okay. So now we got three medallions all sit right in a row on our second row. Um, we're not going to get too in depth into any one of these, but each one has kind of its own, you know, quirks and, and certainly uses, uh, even in rando, as we know, you know, their progression for Meyer and or Turtle Rock. But Dante, let's talk about the damage dealing aspects of our three medallions, Bombos, Ether, and Quake. I summed this up very, uh, generally and very quickly so bombos will burn enemies basically if they're they if they can be uh torched by the fire rod so to speak they can be killed with bombos uh even some of the ones that just take damage from the fire rod such as pentagators henoxes and i'm assuming swamolas i haven't tested that but they get incinerated by bombos as well so that's useful for really tough low percent enemizer rooms if you have a sword that's the caveat here you have to have a sword if you are playing swordless and all you have is bombos well tough luck you can only use it <laughs> in like the ice palace rooms that you're allowed to or the you know the stuff with the the, the symbol on the floor uh, that's a that's how you can know you're playing swordless if you're in mystery so yeah. that's bombos Ether is a good quick way to kill Stalfos. It will and many Moldorms and it just instantly evaporates those. The rest of the enemies, it freezes. It's basically like a mass ice rod. Uh, I'm seeing a trend here. I don't know about you guys, but um, it'll freeze things and get rid of them really quick. Um, one quick thing about freezing enemies, uh, I didn't mention this, but if you know they have a ton of HP and you freeze them. If you use the hammer on them, it is an instant kill. Like they will instantly kind of mm -hmm. like poof when you hit them. And I think it drops a different. It's a stun unique prize pack. Yeah. 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 So that's that's a very niche thing, but you know, uh, useful info. Um, yep. And then moving off of ether onto our quake medallion, uh, it kills some enemies instantly. Not all of them, but most of them. It'll either stun them or turn them into slimes. There is the weird thing of altitude values in this game again. So, like, for instance, pokies, it will stun pokies in, like, Turtle Rock. But if they are bouncing and they're in the air, when you use it, it does nothing to them. So if they're not attached to the ground, basically it's not going to hurt them. That's something to keep in yeah. mind. Yeah, so it's that. that's actually one aspect of the game programming that does make sense because quake is like an earthquake right so it doesn't yeah. work on any enemy who is flying or airborne in, in any way even if they're just bouncing real quick right yeah um so uh, again from a damage perspective i mean you you don't see people use them very often in an, a normal random yeah. run as, as a way to four, damage you only get four shots at full magic with these like there's yeah. not really a whole lot of use for them. Um, a, a nice trick that can save time, you know, if you're playing cross keys or entrance, something with quick swap enabled, you know, uh, shout outs to quick swap. Uh, you can, you know, spam the quick swap thing to not really lose any time. Like in GT, uh, the, the dark magician room, as we call it, you can get over to ether, use that really quick. And that way you don't have to chase down the, the, the Stolfos. So that's, 
it, it'll kill those mm. real fast. That's that's a, a thing you can do if you've got a ton of magic, you know, uh, want to save a little bit of time if you're really efficient with quick swap, but it can also make you lose time. So just be careful of that. Okay, yeah. I got... I got one. Uh, Herf, you go ahead. Maybe it's the same thing I was going to say. I was just going to say, mostly you'll probably see people using that outside of, you know, opening dungeons or what you use them normally for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say is uh, GT climb, you know, in the gauntlet rooms with like the conveyor belts and the blue, or they called Zayzax and the red red ones and stuff like that. And uh, with the ice floors. When people don't want to, you know, deal with getting shot at by BMOs and running around on the conveyor belts or on the ice floors, they might just pull out a medallion. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's that's a, a good application of them. What I was going to say is, I think another place that makes a lot of sense to use them, even if you do have a better sword, is a dark room. Uh, any that have enemies in them, like Dark Maze, um, if you do have one of these medallions, you can bust that out and try to kill all the Kadongos that are in there. Um, or like the second Eastern Palace Dark Room with the Igors, you know, say you want to get rid of all of the Popos that are in there first just because you're like low health or something. It also can light up the room a little bit and help you kind of see what's going on. Um, that's another thing that Ether does is show you the uh, floor of a, of a room. You mm-hmm. should know all of those if you're playing rando, but if it's like your first or second time, that's that's the intended solution to see those invisible floors. Definitely. Any final thoughts on medallions? I think that's about that about does it for them. We got to move on to our next one, which is a, a pretty important one when it comes to non-sword damage. What's funny about this one is it's super important, but there's not much to say about it. So the hammer, uh, it does tempered sword damage, and it will kill frozen enemies in one hit. That's literally it. That's all you need to know. I mean, you know it's got a tiny hitbox already because we've talked about that a lot on the podcast, especially if you're aiming upwards. Um, be careful with the hammer. That's it, though. A temperature sword damage across the board, basically. So that use that to your advantage, especially if you're on fighter sword and a hammer shows up and escape, then, man, you got a real quick way of doing escape. All right, so the hammer is like the sword's like tough cousin. This is a there's a, a cousin theme going through this one. Um, I like I like to imagine the hammer is like the really tough Danny DeVito that just kind of <laughs> comes in and like cleans house to to the Arnold Schwarzenegger tempered sword. Yeah, gotcha. Um, no, I honestly I feel like we owe the hammer a little bit more because we spent like. 10 minutes on each sword and the hammer is kind of like a sword in a lot of ways so uh, as dante said it, it does tempered damage that does handle a lot of the conversation but um hit boxes again we have talked about it a lot but um the, the only caveat that that's really bad is like the hammer is consistent left right down as far as its hitbox the up is where it's tougher um so here's something since we're on this topic now uh one thing about the hammer hitbox, if you're holding your sword out by holding the B button down and you use it, it actually extends the hitbox of the hammer upwards slightly. Um, that's a nice little thing to know. Also, if you may be wondering, how the heck do people hit Helmosaur in phase two with the hammer? They look like they, you know, they're hitting, how do they get on that exact pixel? So, uh, Chexhuman actually taught me this at GDQ. Um, it's a really cool trick. So if you've got like say Master Sword, you'll see you'll see this a lot in uh, NMG. 
and you're holding the sword out to get the mask off, what you want to do then is leave your sword out and phase two, you can item dash really quickly. So while holding B, smash A plus Y at the same time. And not only does it extend it from having your, like the hitbox of the hammer upwards, you know, from having the sword out, it extends it just a little bit further because you item dash with it for some reason. Now you don't do the full item dash. You just kind of like hit it and let go. Um, that actually will extend it further, let you hit Helmosaur. I'm not going to say easily, but much more easily than if you're just trying to do it normally. So that's that's the only use case I really think that's and like, available for that. If, that's like if you had the fighter sword too, because otherwise you just do master sword spins and that's the same damage. Yeah, and, but that's slow. That yeah, is slow. Yeah, that's true. I'm it not, all depends on your health. It depends on your health, okay. your 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 own experience level, how, you know, practice it. Like I, I thought that sounded really hard. And then we were kind of, you know, messing around the practice hack at GDQ with it. And I was like, man, this, this is actually a lot easier than I thought. And it's a lot faster than charging up a spin or slashing or doing, you know, eight master sword slashes. You know, if you can, if you can stand to risk a couple of hits, you know, against Helmosaur, uh, and you've got that low percent equipment, you can do that. Now, we're talking about, you know, swordless for the BWS this week. Do not, you know, hold the B button holding your arm out, you know, and no sword. That that doesn't apply here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to have a sword for this buffer thing to work, right? Right. You got to have yeah. a sword. And it also applies, is it fighter sword or higher? Because if it's fighter, it's not quite as long. Same same principle applies, just, just as like the length of the sword matters. Yeah. Um, and I, I also just want to touch on the, uh, you know, implications of the hammer when you are in a swordless. So the hammer kind of takes over as your sword in swordless mode. Um, there's those situations where you need a sword to use a medallion. You can do that as long as you have the hammer now, correct? Right. Yeah. So if you have the oh, wait, hammer. Hold on. Say that again. So the hammer replaces the sword in terms of being a progression requirement. Yes or no? Yes, in the sense of like reading tablets. If you're in swordless and you've got the book and the hammer, you can read tablets. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So but, you can't you can't walk up with just the book and get the item. You have to have the, no. the hammer. But you can't just use a medallion because you have a hammer. So like you can't you use can, yeah. So the medallions are basically unusable except for those niche scenarios. You that have are, to be on the symbol on the floor, like an ice palace or the dungeon entrance. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, enemies that were impervious to anything except the sword now can be hit by the hammer, like Ganon. Yes, you can hit Ganon with uh, with the sword. It, it, it acts as a tempered sword as well. So twelve, twelve, you know, the whole shebang. Don't, don't, do not be a hero. Okay. I mean, if you're listening, most people who listen to this podcast don't don't try and do silverless Ganon with the hammer. <laughs> don't don't. I mean, it's doable. A lot of people could do it. I lost a match to someone who did it. I won't call them out, but um, it took them like twenty minutes to do it. But they did faster than finding silvers because they were like way down in the progression chain. But there you go. Like very neat. That's that is more niche to me than hovering. So, so in a swordless, you definitely want to make time to find the silvers before you head to Ganon. 
So, yeah, since we brought that up, I'll just say really quick, the way I'll do that is I will check every convenient or semi-convenient chest. I'm not going to go way, way out of my way to do stuff. If it comes down to it, phase one and two and three of Ganon are not that hard with the hammer. I will get the hint and I will go get, I'll figure out where it's at. And if I left one item like an ice, then so be it if that's where it's at. Um, you know, I'm not going to keep checking everything you know <laughs> yeah no that's good advice just i mean you're gonna get a hint so get a little ganon practice in get the hint and then go get the silvers and come back if you didn't get them before right if, if you have a lot of places to look at yeah i like that advice um is there anything else uh caveats of i think specifically swordless too because this is really kind of the item that the brunt of that falls on when you are playing swordless, you're mostly going to have the hammer out for a lot of it. It becomes your normal like crowd control item uh, to get some distance between you and enemies getting all up in your face. Well, the um, other thing with that is swordless will teach you to ignore enemies. It'll it'll teach you to you don't have to fight stuff. You know, like we talked about slashing your sword, you're standing still. Like this is like to me, it's the the training ground of saying, oh well, you know. I can just walk around this guy and, oh, hey, I didn't waste time. You know, like, that that's hmm. my thought. Like, unless you've got to kill something, why? You know, like, it, it slows you down every time you're killing something. Mm -hmm. So, if you can, say, like, w with a sword, if you can dash and kill something while dashing, then great. But why waste time otherwise? Yeah. That's another thing about swordless is dashing is a little tougher. Not not oh, yeah, much we can say about that, but yeah. Don't don't item dash with the hammer. You know, you'll bonk. It'll be funny and you'll be confused. Uh, you gotta have yeah. a sword. Yeah, item dashing only works with a sword. Um, okay, cool. So it's going to be pretty smooth sailing from here on out. Um, just really one interesting one to talk about. But before we do that, it looks like there's a little bit of a mistake on the outline. It looks like someone wrote bug net in here. I don't know. That's that's mm -hmm. kind of kind of weird. <laughs> it's clear that was a mistake, right? No, it actually does one thing. Uh, and it's a caveat since we're doing swordless again. Um, it will reflect Agaballs back. So you can knock Aga's damageable balls back at him. <laughs> damageable uh, balls. Yeah. You can <laughs> knock those back. So here's here's a little cool trick with those. This is like a lot of people say it's swag, but if you're bad at timing the, the spin, because here's the thing. What if, what if the hammer's on pyramid? And if, if God, if that happens, I've already, like, while we were chatting with this, I had already ginned the seed for the week. And if that shows up, I literally DM Sahabot and got a Sahabot seed. So there's no <laughs> customizer shenanigans. But, like, if Hammer's on Pyramid, right, you're going to have to do Aga. And then it's like, well, what's my Aga access? Well, it is probably going to be Cape and to get through the thing. And it's going to be uh, the bug net. So you may not want to pass the bug net up. Um, but. You can dash, like item dash, and if you do that, the charge-up animation, you're basically going to knock all the balls back. So uh, it, it lets the hitbox stay out longer. You just got to make sure you, um, once you start moving, you press a directional to cancel out that dash so you don't just run straight into Aga because that would be um, problematic. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I stand corrected. I guess the bug net does have its place here in this episode. Um, it does have logic implications in Swordless. <laughs> yeah, 
Very interesting. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, the cane of Samaria, the red cane. Um, so it does a bunch of cool stuff. It does have uh, logic implications as by virtue of being able to create both platforms in Turtle Rock and blocks um, that you can use a bunch of places to weigh down um, uh, pressure plates that allow doors to open. So uh, it, it is usually required. It is technically possible to beat the game without it if you don't have to do Turtle Rock or Misery Mire. And if your Gans Tower Big Key is on left side, then you can go the whole time without using it. But I think like 90 or 95% of the time, I think is what we found out, is, is how often this Mario, Gans of Mario is required progression. Um, so, uh, you know, speaking more specifically to the topic of this episode, it can also be used to damage enemies. First, you put down a block, and that block can be pushed around, and just contact with that block will hurt most enemies. Um, so that is one way you can do damage. If you put a block down and then hit the button again, it uh, explodes out into the four cardinal directions and sends little fireballs out. Those can also deal, deal damage. So this is a weapon. Uh, it can be one of the things that Uncle gives you in a standard uh, that you're you know, defending yourself with, and it's the only thing you have to attack. So, uh, Dante, I'll pass it over to you, and let's talk a little bit about the Cane of Samaria and how it works as a weapon. Uh you kind of covered it. Um, <laughs> it, it. It's nothing special. So the the block and the the blasts they do two HP of damage. That's it. So, um, two two whole horsepower of damage or hit points of damage. <laughs> I, I when I was making mine too, uh, doing HP as as hit points it does make me think of horsepower. Like every time I look at it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, there's nothing special about it. Um, you know, it's an annoying thing. Like, so, okay, if you, if you get Kane, just make sure you use the pots to kill the ball and chain guard. Don't don't waste your magic, right? All right, so I'm glad we had that talk. Um, <laughs> any any final thoughts from you guys on the Kane of Samaria? Um, do you know of any situations where you can actually use that block to, like, can you think of a time where you would use the Kane of Samaria instead of something else because it's a better option as a, as a weapon? No. <laughs> I mean, I can't. Honestly, no. I can't either. Oh, well, okay. Um, and it's because it's just so normalized in my head. I don't really think of it being a, a use case. But, I mean, the Wizardrobes in GT, like, that's that's when you use it. Because it kills them in one hit. Because they, they only have two HP. So, you know, you use those right after Landmo 2. And Wiz basically Wizardrobes 1 and Wizardrobes 2, as it's called... Those are the times to use it. Other than that, I uh, don't really see a place for it. Um, I have. I I will admit I use it in the second room of Misery Mire if I have it because I like being able to. If sure. you can like figure out the geometry of it real quick and put it between, because all, all those enemies, uh, all those wizards at least stay in one place. And when you first come out, those two popos are on either side of you, so you can kill both of them with one hit. Um, you know, you just mash the Y button until it, you get those fireballs out. Uh, but then you can also go through and like place it. The, all three of the whiz robes are, uh, you know, cardinal directions away from each other. So you can put it between all three of them. And if you get your timing just right, you can kill them, you know, in, in one hit that way. It's a little faster. Um, so yeah, there are other times, but, um, we're struggling to come up with examples because it's really not 
it's 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 it, kind of like the ice rod it's not really seen as a like a offensive weapon and if you're in a situation where we have no swords and no hammer and you're like looking at your options like even then i don't think kana samario is going to be what you reach for to to primarily do damage so i mean if you have to you have to yeah but uh there there are niche scenarios where you have to just know it does two hp of damage that's mm-hmm. If it can be damaged by generic things, I know I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm not listing off, you know, Stolfo's Knights and Chain Chomps and stuff like that again. But if it can be damaged, it does 2 HP. Yep. I think that's fair to say. I think that's enough. If anyone else has any neat uh, facts about the Canis Maria dealing damage, please share them with us. But I, I don't think we're, you know, glossing over too much by just saying, like, that's that's pretty much it for that one. Mm-hmm. And and then that brings us to our final one, which is the other cane, the cane of Berna, cane of Brian, as it's sometimes called. Oh my god! <laughs> or maybe it was a long time ago. You don't really it's hear still, that as much it anymore. Is, but it's just funny. it's kind of silly. It's just yeah. kind of silly because it's got B Y R N A, and it could kind of look like B R Y A N or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in 2020 we shouldn't do that. Some people may <laughs> think that is. That is making fun of people who are dyslexic. I mix numbers up constantly. So Oh, I didn't even see it as that. I, I, didn't, I, I, don't, I don't, Yeah, it's just a rearrangement of those letters. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I'm not saying I'm offended by it, but I'm just saying that that's probably why we don't hear it as much. I don't know. You know, sometimes we you don't want to do things like that, especially on comms. You don't want to yeah. make those jokes. But well, I figured it was just. Um, not that funny anymore <laughs> you know I mean, like well, most it, jokes it, just like it, it came and went you know yeah kind of like calling the hook shot the metal hot dog or whatever I yeah think that was before my time and thank god that disappeared because that that's weird yeah <laughs> anyway so the cane of Berna, the blue cane as you normally hear it called uh it is also an invulnerability item um when you activate it it'll send like a little uh like i don't know what do you even call that thing like a little star around link in a circular motion as it as it constantly drains hp or your your mp uh for usage um and this uh gives you essentially a hurt box around you it makes you invulnerable and gives you a hurt box around you uh that does two hit points of damage anytime an enemy is hit by it um and yeah sometimes you know just like we said about bombs it can sometimes be the attack item that is needed to progress it's very rare that like you're in that kind of situation but again you know if you find yourself with you know you're out of checks and you're in the first 15 minutes of the game and you don't have sword or hammer but you do have blue cane you might need to go use that blue cane to kill some mini moldorums or something like that yeah this Um, is uh i mean using those is especially in standard mode at the beginning uh both canes rather and this is kind of like a summary of them it will teach you how to manage your magic if you don't have to, or if you don't mm-hmm. know how to, because if you screw up, you're going to remember that and you're going to think, Hmm, how can I do that better? So yeah, it's a crash yeah. course in that. Yeah. So, uh, I think that covers all of the various items that can do damage to enemies. Uh, and Dante, I want to thank you again for taking the time to put together all of that information and, and presenting it to us. Uh, I think it was very, very enlightening. Thanks. It was mm-hmm. it was something. <laughs> it's. I mean, so I, I thought about this as I was writing this, and like we said this kind of at the beginning, but this is a lot of info to digest, like in an audible-only podcast. So please, if you're trying to learn this stuff, 
and you are interested in it, just check the description, check those links out for the wiki. Uh, that is honestly going to be your like a, a good asset just to kind of know. But a lot of this, I think, is not really going to stick to people, like stick with people mentally unless they just play and see it happen. So, you know, if you're playing something casually, like a seed just for fun, it's not a race and you want to experiment, that's, that is the time to experiment with stuff and see, hey, is this faster or, you know, is this slower? What works better for me? So on and so forth. But that's, that's my little piece of advice throughout all this. Yeah. We've talked about this before, but the, this podcast is not meant to be just like our list last uh, two weeks ago. It's not meant to be listen to this and you'll get good. The thought is that like you'll listen to this while you do other things and maybe a couple things will stick with you. And then when you run your next seed, you'll remember something we said and it maybe it'll save you a, a few seconds. So that's always, I, I think we've given people a lot of that sort of stuff to kind of chew on. So mm-hmm. cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this one up, eh? Sounds good. All right. So um, we don't necessarily have any fetch questions this time. We did get some episode suggestions. You know, our Discord has been very active. So we got people being like, oh, have you guys ever done this? Or you should maybe talk about that, which we always appreciate getting those. So feel free to continue to send those in. Um, we do have, you know, a, a nice short list of of stuff we want to go over but we're always you know open to listen to the community as we have many times in the past and kind of help that to figure out what we're going to talk about next so keep keep on sending those in um and uh also fetch questions of course are great you can always send those to email at gomodepodcast.com or use the contact form on our website um you can also tweet them to us at at go mode podcast on twitter of course uh, as we've said many many times the discord is a great way to interact with us communicate with us so uh you can look in the description for a link to join that that's a good way to stay in touch uh and check out the mentor tournament which uh is about to get into brackets and should be heating up should be pretty pretty fun to watch um as it has been so far uh, let's see if you want to watch me play rando or write music, which I've been doing more and more of on stream lately, you can do that at twitch.tv slash temp underscore. Uh, and for my shout out this week, I want to shout out the series avatar, the last airbender, uh, which is currently on Netflix. It just premiered there like a month or two ago. Uh, and I've been watching through it for the first time and it is just blowing me away. It's so good. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I'm, I just finished the second season last night. I'm probably going to burn through the third season today and tomorrow, but it is so good. Y'all just go watch it. It's, it's incredible. Um, what do you guys have to shout out? Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't really have anything to shout out this week, to be honest. I've gotten into Command and Conquer 3 again for some reason. Mm, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, nice. Classic, classic PC games. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty fun. It's kind of hard. I'm, uh, I don't know. I'm really bad, I, I guess, is the takeaway from that. <laughs> <laughs> RTS games are just so hard. Is that on Steam? It is on Steam, yeah. Okay. All right, yeah, check out CNC3. Dancy, what well, about you? Uh, I finally set a date, and we're going to do the one-chip challenge thing on stream this coming Friday, so two days after this podcast release releases, it'll be at 7 p.m. Eastern time that night. Uh, so the way this is going to go down, 
Uh, I have someone lined up that is going to kind of proofread the spoiler for me to make sure that, you know, this particular item doesn't show up like in Link's house because it would not be very suspenseful otherwise. But um, I'm going to use the customizer and the goal is going to be 7-7 defeat Ganon, but I am going to put, I'm going to replace like a big 20 with one Triforce piece and when that Triforce piece pops up, I have to eat the hot chip. And then I have to keep playing if I can. <laughs> um, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. It, it was a, a sub-incentive on my channel a while back. And I'm finally getting around to um, fulfilling it. So hopefully uh, I don't die in the process. Beautiful. I can't wait. I, I will I will be there. I'm looking forward to it, in fact. Um we got uh, two new iTunes reviews, so I wanted to say thank you very much to both Floyd44 and Irritable Penguin, who are both racers in our mentor tournament. Um, huge thank you and shout outs to both of you. We are currently at 39 ratings, so we are one away from 40. Um, I would love to see that nice round number. Uh, just, just, uh, big and divisible by 10. You gotta love it. Love to see that four zero. If you would like to get us there, <laughs> uh, consider leaving us an iTunes review. Um, it really helps us out and we really appreciate all those of you who have left one so far. And, and shout outs to everybody that wants to leave a review, but is not on iTunes and yeah. can't. So like, just because you can't, don't think you're not doing a disservice, but if you really, really, really want to leave a review, uh, you could always make an iTunes account, which I'm not expecting anyone to really do just for us. Uh, on top of that, you know, maybe maybe your mom's got an iPhone or something. Ooh, you know, there like, you go. Hey, that, that's gaming the system. But, um, you, know, well, you know, just say my mom likes this podcast, too. That's what you could put if you use like your mom's iTunes account. <laughs> or Yeah, my, me and my son or me and my daughter like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Go Mode. And we will be back in two weeks with yet another episode for you to listen to. Thanks. Let's mirror out. Mm-hmm.